everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zubini for brand new to the show. The show is all about a little one-on card game called Magic the Gathering. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking a little bit about community. A lot of this had to do with the recent controversy that kind of happened last week. And if you don't know what controversy I'm talking about, I'm talking about the whole big Walking Dead controversy. I talked a little bit about it last week on the episode interview with Food Time, and I talked about it on last week's uh, episode of Magic for Normies as well. But we're going to be sort of taking it apart and deconstructing and sort of understanding what happened and maybe what as we content creators can do to sort of cultivate that better community because of just certain actions that seem to happen, which we'll get into. So before we begin with that, um, we have some announcements to get out of the way. Uh, this show can be supported on Patreon at patreon.com slash magicwithzuby. And you can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify and YouTube. And just search Magic with Zuby on any of those programs. And then you can reach out to me on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby. Or you can email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. And we have two quick little ads to get out of the way, and then we will get on with the main show. Well, hey there, Zoe. Why the long face there, chum? I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on magic singles and magic sealed product available. And that is how you beat the latest standard meta with Abzan. Ugh, it feels like there's no magic content out there for someone like me. Someone who doesn't want to be competitive. Someone who is... Who is... a normie? Yeah, exactly! A normie! Well, have I got the show for you. The all-new Magic for Normies show. Hi, I'm Pixie. And I'm Zuby. Together, we host the all-new Magic Magic for for Normies. It is the Magic the Gathering show for all your normie needs. We don't care what deck got into the top eight or what deck is winning. We care about having fun playing Magic. That's right, Pixie. You can watch us on Pixie's Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash pixiekittenplays and catch the VOD on our YouTube channel, Pixie Kitten Plays. If audio is your thing, you can find episodes on the Magic Wazubi RSS feed. Do-do-do-do-do. Magic for normies. So anyone who has follow who follows Magic News and has followed what happened last week, I mean, obviously a lot of us know what happened. So without like really going into the history of it and what exactly happened, what happened by a day by day basis, here's the general gist. Uh, Wizards announced that they're doing a secret layer with Walking Dead cards. They are available now as of this recording that you can go on their website and buy. And the thing with these Walking Dead cards is, and I hate this word because I've heard it five million times already, is they are mechanically unique cards, black-bordered cards, that are also legal in Commander, Legacy, and Vintage. Uh, There are five, I think five or six cards that are mechanically unique, 
and can be played in Commander Legacy Vintage, and you can't find them anywhere else. And that has stirred this huge controversy that a lot of people are saying this is predatory marketing. This is, you know, not fair to other countries that can't get these because they'll have to buy them on the secondary market for, you know, extremely high markup. And I just want to preface right away that I do not like this. I am not a fan of this kind of marketing here. I personally will not be buying these, will not be playing these. So just to get that out of the way. It's my main kind of problem with everything that really happened was not so much what Watsy did. Yes, I don't like what Watsy did at all, and I don't support that, but it's really the community outrage that happened. And we're going to dive in a little bit deeper into that here. Now, as we all know, the EDH Rules Committee did not ban these cards as they do not fall under the bannable guidelines under their philosophy due to just because the availability or they just wanted to send a message to Watsi. That is not what they do. They are not supposed to be the people to just say, hey, Watsi, put a stop to this. Now, a lot of people were upset by that because they wanted the EDH Rules Committee to say, hey, Let's send a message to Watsi and tell him, no, we can't have these cards in here in this format. So then a splintering of factions started, and that's most notably brought up by Mitch of the Command Quarters. Now, at the time of this recording, you know, he's already stepped back away from the little captain format that he made and has somewhat apologized for it because he was the one he was one of the ones that i just called out in last week's episode with food time where i basically stated his reaction videos were kind of trash to it now that's not to say that his feelings aren't valid they are valid anybody who is angry about this is valid i, I was listening to a really good episode from the goblin lore podcast where hobbs had a really good episode talking about anger, like an almost hour-long episode about anger and just the feelings behind it and also lore perspectives from it as well, too. And I thought it was very well done. I definitely recommend you all checking out that episode about anger. And I bring that up because it, I, when I was listening to it today, it really made a lot of sense that, you know, people are angry about this and that's okay. That's okay. I think it's what you do with those emotions is what really shows what kind of person you are. Now, for someone who has a large platform like Mitch and was making those videos and he was rightly angry, he had a right to be angry. But the thing that was really sort of taking me aback was the amount of toxicity that he was allowing in his comments and then other people were just really attacking a lot of other people for just because they stated hey i like these cards and people would just outright attack them for for wanting to buy these cards and like them and like i said a lot of this is hyperbole i'm not going to go into specifics of who said what and when and where and all that because that's just it doesn't help anything it doesn't solve anything either the the thing that i really want to sort of discuss today as a content creator that is also doing his best to try to form a positive inclusive community it, it was sort of sort of took me back that someone as big as mitch in our community would just sort of allow that to run rampant and was just not really taking any responsibility for it because as much as someone who has a big platform and even if they disavow what other people are doing 
it's sort of the rhetoric they use and the emotion and tone that they exude from themselves really reflects on who they are. And the best example of that is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a great example of someone who says, yeah, I don't, you know, take any responsibility for what my supporters do, you know, for them going to commit hate crimes or going to punch people in the face, whatever, and then go out and just say a bunch of inflammatory statements. But expects everybody to say uh no no those are just words those are just words and when you have a platform that big especially as the president of the united states or like anybody in any kind of platform or any sort of power it's a lot of those words what you say can inflame people and you have to be careful of how you come across now it is so easy to just say fuck it i'm mad I'm mad at Watsy for doing this shit. Fuck them, you know, and fuck the rules committee for, you know, doing that shit. And it, it's it's okay to be like that. But as someone who has a platform, you need to take a certain level of responsibility that you are. It's like I said, it's okay to have those feelings. But also, on the other hand, understand what saying all that stuff could possibly do as well and that was something i did not see with a lot of people in like i said i'm calling out mitch on this and specifically because he was sort of the center of this attention of all this controversy that happened and it was just a little bit surprising that you know it's it's good that he tried to apologize and step away from the captain format that he tried to start up but it was also i feel that sort of like an apology needs to be had in terms of, hey, understanding what my actions caused and it caused a lot of grief and toxicity in the community. And I know it's so easy for me to hear to stand up on my soapbox and, you know, say all that shit because I was pretty angry about it, too. Like you, you I, I got pretty damn angry during the Magic for Normies episode last week where I was just really thinking, why the hell are so many people mad about this when we have actual real problems out there in the world where no one's paying attention to this? Like, no one's paying attention to, you know, the problems that minorities face or women or trans people or anything like that. Yet we're focusing on a dumb card game. And it's some of that is a little bit of the wrong approach because it's sort of invalidating other people's feelings for the card game but it's to on the other hand it's also important to understand that those feelings that people had aren't invalid sometimes i think just a lot of the energy is misplaced and you know and maybe a lot of it just has to do with their personal lives as well too it's what you do with those emotions, what you do with that energy is what really counts. This does feel a little bit more of a somber episode here, and I, I guess in a way it kind of is. Uh, one of the things I did want to talk about was, you know, as a content creator, like how to how do you really sort of cultivate and build a community? Now, this is coming from someone who doesn't have a very big community. Community, I've got a relatively small community, and I love each and every single one of them. It's such a great community, especially on my Discord. I love it. Um, Getting to play Magic and other video games with them is something that I look forward to all the time. But one of the things that you start to notice as a content creator is you have to... And th this 
in a other and this in a way is going to sound bad, right? It's you have to be careful of who you sort of let into your community. And in a way, I mean that in the sense of you, if you're wanting this positive, inclusive community, you need to be the reflection of that. You need to show that, hey, you are a positive and welcoming person. And that is the kind of community that you want. And unfortunately, there are times where you're going to have to tell people like, hey, you know, I don't like what you're doing here. Just kind of stop it. And. You know, and that, that those aren't always easy talks to have with people, but sometimes they have to be done. And it, it's it's something that's not easy doing. Trust me, it's like confrontation's never fun, but it's you have to do it sometimes because you want your community to reflect part of who you are as well. And that's something that's very important to show out there. Uh, another thing is as content creators is you need to also realize you get to decide how you want to cultivate it as well. Now, if you're going on the slow rolling path, like I am, you get to sort of be a little bit picky on how you want to grow it. And it's something that you know, takes time and it's a lot of understanding, a lot of trying and failing and just be it's, you know, the the age old adage of, you know, treat others how you would want to be treated and, you know, do unto others as others would do unto you type thing as well, too. So it's that's also another important lesson to have as well. And the last sort of thing to really discuss here is when trying to build a community or even trying to do any kind of content creation and, you know, that grind starts to get real because you've got to hit those big numbers. You need to make Twitch affiliate or you need to make Twitch partner or you need to, you know, get a thousand subs on YouTube or get a thousand downloads on this podcast. It's OK to step away. It's OK to step away because you sometimes need that time off. You, you need that ability to be able to step back and be like, hey, guys, I'm I, I, like, I, I can't I can't do this right now. And that is something that I love with my community that sort of understands because there are definitely times where, you know, I'm in my discord all the time, right? Like pretty much all the time, all day, every day. But there have been times where I'm just not present. I'm not there. Um, I may not show up for a couple days. I'm not streaming. I'm not really tweeting on Twitter. It's because usually sometimes I have fallen down in a hole and meaning that and I have learned myself that when I get like really, really depressed or, you know, one of my manic or depressive episodes happen, I have to step away from social media. I cannot like go out there and start chatting with people or posting stuff on social media because I tend to have self-destructive uh, tendencies where I'll just start ruining stuff that would just really, really hurt myself. And it's more like emotionally type way, not and not anything physically or anything like that. Um, so but it's it's getting better. You know, I don't have those as often, but and I have learned my coping mechanisms is to just stay away from social media, stay away from my community, which I don't like doing that. But I know that if I go in there with the, that attitude when I'm really, really down, it's going to be very bad because I'm just not going to be myself, not the person who I want to be. And that is another thing to really understand too. And that sort of leads into perfectly with what happened with what we saw last week with the whole uh, walking dead command quarters controversy. We obviously could tell that something was going on that Mitch wasn't happy, 
right? That Mitch was definitely going through some stuff and this controversy just seemed to just trigger it. And and like I said, I don't know Mitch. I've never talked to him. So this is all like hyperbole, sub, subjection, and all that stuff. So I could be a thousand times wrong. Don't listen to me. It was just a lot of observations that I was noticing that it's as soon as this announcement came out, it's a lot of people, not just Mitch, but a lot of people were saying, you know, this is death by a, a thousand paper cuts. And I can see why people would feel like that, because when you look at the past few years of magic, standard is bad. Standard is very bad right now. Ever since ever since War of the Spark, standard has been not good. It's been not good at all. I have said that many times. I love historic. I love playing historic. It's sort of like pioneer light in a sense with a little bit of modern thrown in there. And um and just when you think about paper magic altogether, it's and I know we're in a pandemic, so talking about paper magic is kind of moot point right now, especially when it comes to formats like standard, pioneer, or modern. But even those kind of formats, like I, I can't see myself ever playing standard and paper for a very long time until they sort of fix standard in a sense. And you know, and I know that's just one thing with standard being that, and then there's so much other stuff going on with magic too that just a lot of people have been unhappy with and you know with the state of the world is as the way it is that just sort of adds on to it where people want magic to be that escape and they're, they're now they're starting to see their their one escape sort of just start to turn into something that they're not used to seeing and change can be scary change is can be scary to a lot of people and the the one thing that I noticed with those people is this probably felt like to a lot of people the final straw of it, that they felt like this wasn't fair. This wasn't fair that you can print cards that are only going to be available for a week and it's only going to be available to a certain subsection of the player base. And then if we ever want to play these cards, then we're not going to have access to them at some point because the either the, they're going to be priced out of it or the availability of the physical cards just isn't going to be there. And I get it. I understand. So when you see those people sort of go off, you start to sit back and think, okay, I get where you're coming from. I understand that. Now, in terms of Mitch in the command quarters, where when he was making all those videos like one, two times a day about the outrage of Secret Layer and then eventually that that captain's thing. And, you know, a lot of people can say, oh, well, you know, he was just kidding around. He was joking. But when you sort of look at the previous videos he had always done you this was really out of the norm here and i think it was a little bit overblown i feel like even though i personally don't like it i feel like it is a little bit overblown because there's and i can make a lot of arguments that you know there's always going to be magic cards that you're never ever going to have or not be available to you you know look at a lot of if you if you're an edh player there are so many edh cards that you are probably never ever going to own and i know that's not the best argument but it is an argument that can be had so when you see this sort of overreaction in the community it's understandable but as i as i was talking about before it's what you do with that energy that really counts and maybe this was just the final straw and maybe it wasn't the best thing to do to start making videos and just inciting the community because let's be honest those past few days of you know 
Magic Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, YouTube. There was just a lot of inflammatory. And you can already see the mood starting to change already. Because you look at some of the posts that are made on, on Reddit and Twitter. And a lot of people are already saying, you know, I'm just going to proxy the cards. Right. Or I'm just not going to buy it. I don't support it, but it doesn't really affect me. When the first few days, everybody was up in arms about this is the end of magic. This is the worst thing ever. You know, yada, yada, yada. And now people are starting to calm down, cool, like calm down and collect their thoughts and start to understand, hey, you know, it, it's OK. It's essentially OK. Um, so where I'm going with all this, I think it's really important to understand that when you have a big platform, you know, big or small, what you do does affect people. You know, they're what you say affects people and how you treat people affects people as well, too. And I think it's important to understand that and take a step back, breathe and relax and understand that. It's okay. It's okay to feel these feelings, but what are you going to do about it? Can you put it into a positive, constructive manner, or are you going to go the destructive route? And, you know, to Mitch out there at the command quarters, and I, I know he's never going to listen to this or anything, but, you know, it's I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm picking on you. You're just the good example of this. And it's it was just something that really kind of opened my eyes up to just certain people in the community as well too that really just maybe took things a little bit too far with this and it's it can be a little bit worrisome sometimes but we're gonna as i always like to say is we're gonna try to do better tomorrow and i guess that's all we can really ask of people is just try to do better tomorrow you know even if it is not posting a video, not posting a tweet, you know, about something that's bad or inflammatory and just understand like, hey, I'll try to do better tomorrow. I'll, I'll, I'll try to be a better person. I'll just do my best of what I can and what I can do. Right. So I, I, I know this was a bit somber and thank you for listening to my rambles here. I just felt like I had to talk a little bit about it because I've had a lot of time to think about it. And just really wanted to get my thoughts sorted. And I know I kind of, like, if you especially listen to Magic for Normies, I kind of went heated off. And it's, I was kind of pissed. And, and I, I think those feelings were valid as well, too, about being pissed. And it's, um, it, it's taking that angry energy and trying to do something with it is what's the important part. And what I try to do for the Magic community is have this podcast and, be able to talk to awesome people as well too and just provide a fun outlet for others so to end this podcast uh we've got some q a going on i've got my awesome discord community sent me a crap ton of questions they want me to answer and um we're gonna go through these one by one they were uh, some pretty fun questions here i can't wait to answer some of them so the first set of questions is actually from Colin O'Clock, and he asked me a few questions here, and I kind of like these. Uh, my, his first question is, 
a pretty funny one. What is the appeal of playing Grand Arbiter as your commander? So if you watch my EDH streams, uh, you, you'll know like when I'm losing or when something crazy is going on, I like to say I should have played Grand Arbiter. I should have played Grand Arbiter. And if you don't know, Grand Arbiter is a blue-white commander that is basically just the worst commander to ever play against or play as because you're going hardcore control with blue white. So the appeal of playing Grand Arbiter to me, it's not really that I enjoy playing it. So I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but I know I've told it before on my stream is I, so my local play group back when we used to play together, um, we don't really play together anymore. We haven't in a long time, even before the pandemic, we stopped playing together. Um, and that's, you know, personal other stories and all that stuff too. So, um, they would like to play, you know, stupid, oppressive combo decks or just really high powered decks. And not that my decks couldn't compete or anything. I was just getting kind of tired of all this stupid, oppressive, powerful stuff going on. So Grand Arbiter was sort of born out of spite was sort of born out of, well, you guys want to play stupid, dumb combos? Well, you're going to have to suffer through the most god-awful control deck you're going to have to go up against. Um, so my Grand Arbiter is not really Pillow Fort or anything like that. Um, not a whole lot of stacks. It's more of just hardcore control where I'm not going to really let you play. So it's like Fun Police times 100. Um, and... It's, I don't really have an appeal of actually playing the deck. I just like to threaten it. And the, the only other time I've played Grand Arbiter on stream, well, there's two other times I played Grand Arbiter on stream, and I remember this because they're usually always memorable games. So the first time was when I was playing with the two uh, guys from Guardian Project Podcast, Andy and Coyle, and I think I had Johnny Slivers uh, from Tin Street Hooligans on. And as well, uh, we did a sort of Azorius versus Grixis match. It wasn't really two-headed giant, but uh, me and Andy were playing Azorius while Coil and Johnny were playing Grixis. And I ended up winning the that match due to casting Approach of the Second Sun twice in a row. Um, and then the second time was when... Because Total, Total MTG, uh, if you don't know, Total MTG is a really awesome YouTuber, really cool streamer, just an all-around great dude. Uh, he, you know, he, he loves playing blue, blue decks and blue control and all that. And he's been wanting to see my Grand Arbiter deck for a while. So I played against him and Andy from the Magic the Flavoring podcast. Definitely another podcast you should check out as well. And he and I apologized to Andy ahead of time from Magic the Flavoring. Like, I am so sorry. This is going to be a miserable deck to play against. And I'm only doing this because Total wants to see it. And it was, once again, Misery Incarnate. Both of them were playing token decks, and I managed to get Elish Norn out pretty early. So all their tokens were just completely shut down, and then I just sort of killed them. And, and then, you know, the last time when I played Grand Arbiter on stream just this past week, it was probably the most god-awful, miserable game ever. Uh, I got a Ward of Bones out super early, and no one could play anything for, like, ever. Um, so... I guess to answer your question, Colin, that was like a really long runabout way to answering the question. I don't have an appeal to playing it. I just like threatening it because it's funny and it's become sort of a meme in my chat. Um, and it's I've even made a playmat out of it, too. And it's uh, 
there's really no appeal to playing it. Now, I mean, so I will say the deck itself has some of my favorite blue-white cards in it. You know, Jace the Mind Sculptor, you know, all the Teferis in it. And I, I love my boy Teferi, all right? And I love my boy Jace, all right? Jace and Teferi, they need to make a buddy cop movie. Best movie, hands down. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that that's... I, I do love the deck. Like, I, lot, I love a lot of the cards in the deck. Just playing the deck is just not very fun. Um, so Colin asks, you talk about not really having a local play group. Has that always been the case? Or if not, since when? How has that affected your relationship to Magic? And how has it changed since the pandemic? So it's a good question. It's a good question. So I, so my local play group, when I first got back into Magic back when Corset 2013 came out or 2012, that's, that was the last time I got back into Magic, and I haven't stopped since. And, you know, I, I played Kamigawa Ravnica before that, and, you know, Urza Saga up to Nemesis and all that was my first time around. Um, but, but I, and I, I really stopped playing Magic, um, or Paper Magic, like, at my LGS, right around, like, I think right before Ravnica Legions came out or a little bit after and that's when I just started playing a lot of D&D at my LGS and my and I would only get together like maybe once a month with some of my friends to play EDH so the majority of my magic playing at that time like right after we stopped right after I stopped playing magic at my LGS was um Magic Arena and you know, since the pandemic, it's I have played more paper magic in these past couple months, thanks to Spell Table, more than any time ever, you know, in in my magic playing career. Because before, like when even before I had this podcast, because this podcast does take up a lot of time and does eat up some nights to where, you know, I can't really play magic or stream when I want to. And so it's so even before I even started doing the podcast, I would only be at my LGS maybe one, two, maybe three nights a week. It's at at least one night a week, and it was Friday night is when I would do it. So, but now it's I don't go to my LGS anymore. I don't really care for my LGS anymore, and um, I just don't really play locally anymore at all. Um, it's really the the people I play Paper Magic with the most are you people in my discord more than anything it's and i think that since play, not having a local play group like that i feel like my uh relationship to magic has changed a lot since the pandemic and it's made me appreciate and find my love of the game all over again because the people that I play with on stream that come in my discord and we play, you know, stupid EDH games, even when we do the sealed games, it is just a great time. It is exactly the kind of magic that I enjoy playing. So I hope that answers the question there. Uh, and Colin O'Clock's last question. I want a way too early prediction. What is going to be the most broken card in the upcoming magic D&D set? Name, abilities, etc. So... Rogues are sort of a thing in standard right now, right? The Demir Flash Rogue. What if when the D&D set comes out, there is a Dritz card, a legendary creature Dritz, who's, you know, a mono black rogue or could be a Demir rogue. 
and I don't know. He's not only a lord that pumps up rogues, but also how oh it almost sounds like Anawan almost, where you know every time a rogue deals damage, you know destroy a random creature or destroy target opponent's creature at random, and they have to mill you know cards equal to the the toughness of the creature that was destroyed on top of all the other ways to mill them out. I, I don't know. Uh, what's gonna, I guess that's broken or, um, or maybe whenever a rogue deals combat damage to a player, they mill twice that many, they, they mill twice that many cards equal to the damage dealt to them or something. I don't know. I'm taking a wild guess here <laughs> or, or maybe, well, what, what could be another broken card from like a D&D set? Um, Tiamat. But Tiamat to me would probably just be like a five color dragon that would be hard to play. But with four color Omnath out there, at least Omnath's not banned right now. Yeah, maybe five color Tiamat would be easy to play. And five color Tiamat is just exactly what Omnath Locus of Creation does. But with the black... It also does a landfall trigger of, I don't know, destroy target permanent. Because why not? You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's such a hard way. But if I had to guess, Colin, it'd be something related to Dritz. All right. So uh, the next set of questions were from Delta Drifter. And Delta Drifter asks, is there any special way you build your decks? Has Skybills, Skybills, friend of the channel, she's awesome, taught you any secrets of the trade? Or has deck building chain... Or how has deck building changed for you over your magic career? So when I think of deck building, I sort of think of just two ways that I build decks. Um, I don't really count. I'm not going to really talk about standard historic because I'm sort of a net decker scrub now. And it's very rare for me to even brew decks for those formats anymore. I used to do a lot of brewing for standard and modern back in the day but it's gotten to a point where i'm like i just feel like i don't have the time so most of the brewing i do now is for edh and um and then also there's deck building for limited as well too so when i think of edh it's um i i really i'm super picky of my commander that i want i don't just look at the colors i want to build i i really look at the ability the commander has so my last commander i built was um uh shoot what was it oh geist of saint traft so yeah he's a blue white commander and i know there are a lot of ways to sort of make him a little bit overpowered he's a voltron commander that can just stack up with a lot of auras and equipment and it's super easy to make him super strong so my whole reasoning of trying to build him was all right, I only ever want to attack with Geist. I don't care about any other creature as like a backup. And I know that's not the most optimal way to build it, but I'll have more fun if I just attack with Geist. And I know when, when I'm thinking of that thought process and what is available to me on blue-white, it's, all right, well, I'm going to have to have X number of auras and equipment, and I need to make sure they all do certain stuff, like they work with each other. Um, and I made sure to not... Um, include some of the more overpowered enchantments and um and equipment like the uh, the eldrazi annihilator one i can't think the name escapes me uh equipment or enchantment i think it is and so 
and I also want to make sure the deck is a little bit fun too. Like I don't want to make it too overpowered, so I do put a little bit of counter spells in it, and I do have some pillow fort cards in it because I know if I'm only ever attacking with one creature, that leaves me wide open, so I want a little bit of pillow fort effect, so it's not going to be so easy to come back and attack me, right? So th the way that I'm thinking of when I'm building my decks is I find the commander I want, and I sort of build around it. And now I've gotten to the point in my deck building career is making everything as optimized as possible is boring to me because it's, it's so easy nowadays with sites like EDH rec or MTG goldfish or channel fireball for you to like, okay, well I want to build, you know, the best optimal build for guys to St. Traft and let me just Google, you know, what's out there. And boom, someone has, you know, a really awesome list. Okay, I'm just going to build that. To me, for people who enjoy that, awesome, great. For me personally, I don't enjoy that. I don't enjoy making everything the best as possible. Now, there are certain commanders that I have that I want to make as best as possible because that those are that's my goal for those decks, right? Like Omnath Locus of Rage, I want to make as good as possible. Crufix, God of Horizons, I want to make as good as possible, right? Those are just two examples. Um, but with a lot of the decks that I build nowadays, I don't want to optimize them because I want to have a plethora of power levels. I want to have a wide variety of power levels all the way from, you know, pre-cons up to, um, you know, really powerful. So it's something that I have learned to take a step back from and just really understand that, hey, you know, I don't need to make everything super good because that's not always fun, right? And that's not to say that, you know, everyone should do the same thing I'm doing. You know, if you want to make the most optimized decks possible, that's great. On the other hand, another thing that you have to think about is when you have that variety of decks and, you know, certain power levels and you say you go to an LGS or a Grand Prix and, you know, you sit down to table and everybody's like, well, I only got a pre-con because I'm new to the game. Do you really want to pull out, you know, your, you know, your two lane deck that you have completely optimized and just pub stomp them? No, that's not very fun. And it's kind of not fair to the others too. So sometimes making weaker decks is okay, depending on your group as well too. So Delta also asked, I want to know your favorite ally, enemy, shard, and theme. So my favorite allied color, um, what's the allied? Uh, oh yeah, so I think it would be probably Demir would be my favorite allied car colored. Um, my favorite enemy color would be Is it? And you know, both have blue. Uh, my favorite shard, and I'm guessing you meant to ask Wedge too. So my favorite shard would be probably Grixis. I really like Grixis because I love Nicobolas. Um, and my favorite wedge would probably be... I really like Jeskai and then um, really like Saltai. But if I had to choose, it'd probably be Jeskai. And my favorite theme? I'm not sure what theme means, but maybe like um, theme of deck or like archetype maybe? Um, control and ramp are probably my favorite sort of archetypes for decks that I like playing, especially ramp. I, I love being able to ramp up, um, though ramp has gotten a little bit too good lately in the past couple sets. So 
Delta's next question is, say Magic the Gathering was in the land of Middle-earth, what colors do you think Galadriel would play and why? So it's super easy to just pick Selesnya, right? Because white being the color of like, you know, law and order and, and life-giving and green being the power of nature and, you know, with Galadriel being as old as she is, she's been there since almost like the creation of the elves. She was there since... You know the Samar, the Silmarils or Silmarils or however you say them. Um, so it's super easy to see that she would be Selesnya. But if we wanted to go a little bit different with what I know about Galadriel, um, I mean I don't know if you can get away from the color green with her, right? Um, because and it's only because of just the way elves are written in Tolkien's world with them being so in tuned with nature and that their magic is sort of a natural magic that sort of comes out of nature. It's not a sort of arcana magic or anything like that or or godly magic that, you know, sort of Gandalf has. So if I think about the other colors in the color pie, she doesn't fit red very well. Just just with what we know of Galadriel in the Lord of the Rings and in the Silmarillion and in the appendices of Lord of the Rings, she doesn't seem to fit red. Black, I would have to say no because she doesn't really try to vie for power at any means possible or anything like that. Though you could sort of make an argument maybe for when the three rings were made and that, you know, the, the elves hid them away. And Sauron tried to, you know, trick the trick the elves into revealing where the rings are. Um, God, when he was posing as an elf or something. God, it's been forever since. <coughs> excuse me, it's been forever since I've read it. So I don't think black would fit her either. Now, would it be blue? Blue could almost fit. She could almost be a simic because blue could be, you know, very knowledgeable, very sage-like very wizardly in a sense i mean she doesn't have teleportation powers like they try to show in the hobbit movies or even in the lord of the rings movies which was just really odd choice for me um but you know <coughs> easy choice would be selesnia the harder choice you could almost make an argument that she could be simic as well too um not from the simic guild but just those two colors put together um, and Delta's last question is you have two minutes to decide to take one deck from the burning building you live in. All other important things are out already. What one deck do you take and forsake the rest? Easy. Crew fix. Cause it's my baby. It's my first deck. That's the one I want. Sorry guys. Bye bye everybody. Crew fixes, you know, y'all are not, y'all are trash compared to crew fix. Sorry. It's okay. I still love you. Grand Arbiter. Um, and then our last set of questions come from Baltan and he says, so your favorite wedge being Jeskai, and so many of your decks featuring the grossest of colors, blue. What things bother you most and just on sight make you worried or groan when you sit down to a commander table? All other things equal, uh, no pub, pub stomp, no infinite combos, etc. So what are some things that bother me most and just on sight make you worried or groan when you sit down to a commander table? Um... I think if there was something that if there's one kind of archetype that I don't like, and even though I personally play it as well too, I have a deck built of it is 
I don't like the Aristocats. Aristocrats, I mean. Um, not the Aristocats movie. That's a, it's a fine movie. Um, but the Aristocrats archetype, where there's just so much sacrifice and just ways to deal and kill people um, without ever dealing any kind of damage to them. And it's it's always hard to take care of as well, too, because... You know, let's say you have an Orzov player playing Tesa, whichever variation of Tesa or Marchesa or anything like that. And you're like, all right, well, I'm going to do a board wipe. Okay, well, in response, I'm going to sack everything and boom, you're all dead. Um, And or just any 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 possible way of trying to do anything, because it's so hard to deal with and contend with. Um, And it's not something that I honestly really hate per se. Um, it's just super annoying. The other thing that I really, that I really don't like that makes me groan a lot is when someone's playing a hard control deck in the sense of a lockout where to where you can't play any magic anymore. And, you know, good example, Baltan is, you know, when Ward of Bones was played the other night, it's, you know, it's, it's not very often I get to play that card so that was the first time i've seen that card played in a an extremely long time and just seeing how unfun it is because of just people not being able to play magic but i mean the ben the upside to that card is eventually people are going to play magic but when there's like the knowledge pool lockout in edh that's no fun for anybody where you can't where you literally can't cast any kind of spells um and that to me is just you know, it's like, all right, well, if you're going to win the game, if you can figure out. Um, so I guess those are the things that kind of bother me most of all. And I guess the other things that also that make me kind of groan when I sit down to a commander table is when people play solitaire. I think if there was like the biggest thing that I have an issue with is people playing solitaire and commander where it's like I'm and maybe it's because I have a bit of impatience as well too because by the time that i've already drawn my card and played my turn and it's starting to go around the table you know i'm trying to pay attention to what everybody's doing but i've already thought out exactly what i'm going to be doing on my next turn granted you know somebody doesn't play something crazy right and it's like oh no we have to stop that right but at least i'm trying to figure out all right this is what i'm gonna do boom let's get it done and all that and to me, it just gets a little a little bit frustrating, but I know we all do that stuff, especially with decks that have a lot of triggers and you have to remember a lot of stuff too, you know, so I totally understand it. So I, I play certain decks like that too, where, you know, some nights where I'm streaming and all that stuff, that's why you'll see me take out something like Grun the Lonely King where I'm like, I don't want to think, I just want to smash. I'm just going to play big beasties and just swing and win, or not really win, but just swing. Um that's why it's why it, there's like certain decks I just don't like playing a lot because there are just so many triggers to remember. Um, what color combinations leave you the most Zuby Yikes emoticon? Um, what color combinations leave me the most Yikes? Um, definitely lately Teamer. I I don't even have a Teamer deck, but I just I just don't really like Teamer all that much. Um, and I I guess it's coming from playing against so many Zyrus decks lately too. Like Calamax, Calamax is a bit of annoyance because of the 
amount of copying it can do, but I feel like it's 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 not too bad to take care of. With Zyrus, though, as soon as they have the ability to just draw so many snakes, that's where stuff gets a little bit annoying. Or even stuff like Riku of Two Reflections, where it's just, oh, look, so many copies upon copies upon copies. It's, oh, great. Um, and then just... And I think what I also don't like with that color combination, and it's kind of the same with Simic as well, too, as much as I love Simic because I love Crufix, right? Green is just turned into a lesser blue in terms of card draw and card advantage. So it's, it, I guess if I had to choose color combination, it'd probably be Simic just kind of make me the most, ugh, even though Crufix is my favorite, right? It it's, feels like it's kind of a weird thing, but... Um, and the last question from Baltan, Ganondorf places a devious curse on you and you're no longer allowed to play any magic limited format or commander ever again. Then I'd quit magic. What constructed format, if any, becomes your new go-to home? Legacy, modern, pioneer, historic, brawl, tiny leaders? A uh, historic then. It would be historic for sure. It's the only other format that I really enjoy playing is historic. Um, but I mean, like, if, if that was true, like, I couldn't even play like if i had to give up a format right i'd be able to give up commander i love commander don't get me wrong like i could give it up though not that i would want to but if i had to i could give up commander limited on the other side draft and sealed no i couldn't give those up i love draft and i love sealed there's so much fun um i mean like i said not that i want to give up either of them but if i had to but if I had to give up both, I'd be like, all right, this is now a D&D podcast. This is now D&D with Zuby now, you know, <laughs> um, it's like, nope, I'm, I'm done with magic at that point. No, but yeah, it, it'd be historic, though. So that's the episode right there. Hope you all enjoyed it. A um, little bit of a somber tone, but um, that's OK. We've got more interviews on the way that I'm trying to book and schedule. And we are trying to get some more content your way and. There might be some changes a little bit. I don't know, um, but we'll have to wait and see about that. But I just want to thank you all again for listening, watching. Thank you for all the questions, my Discord community. You're all are great. And if you want to join the Discord, the Discord is in the show notes below. A lot of awesome people there. I love the people that come by the streams, uh, just chat every day in there. They're just awesome, wonderful people. And it's just such a great little community. And we try our best to support each other. And it's you guys have probably made making content more enjoyable than anything that I've enjoyed in like a very long time. Like this is the first year in a long time that I have been constantly wanting to make more and more content because I'm having so much fun doing it. And thank you all for that. And thank you for all the silent listeners out there that, you know, I, I know you're out there because I do the same thing too with a lot of podcasts. Like there's some podcasts I listen to. I just never respond or anything like that, but I enjoy their stuff. So thank you to those people as well, too. I recognize you out there and thank you to everyone. And I hope you all have a great night.